You are listening to Vets Nation Talks, the show that highlights veteran-owned businesses, the people, and their mission. Thousands of successful businesses are owned and operated by seasoned veterans, and their stories are inspiring. Join Carl Wolfenden as he has conversations with our heroes, talking about their mission out of uniform. Veterans Supporting Veterans on Vets Nation Talks. The guests and topics on this show are not always affiliated with Vets Nation's talks, and any comments are the opinions of the individuals, and we strongly advise, before making any decisions, to research the options available. Vets Nation Talks, the voice of VetsForVetsNation.com with Carl Wolfenden. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Vets for Vets Nation. And uh, here on Business Class News, uh, you know, over the past you know few months now, we've been having some fantastic conversations around uh, you know different businesses. I mean, I was I was on the pitch contest on uh, Women's Veterans Day, and um, you know we've been talking to Jeremy Wine, uh, which is um, they, they, they were. The army, uh, there was a couple, and the army and uh, I believe the Marines, and um, they got together and then created this wine company. And you're, you're, we're going to be having several, you know, episodes of that uh, over the next few months. Uh, in fact, we recorded one a couple of weeks ago, and it was regard it was regarding, you know, all coming up to Thanksgiving and a wine that they did. So they were taking their military experience about. Uh, sort of operations, etc., and then put it into a business, which was a wine business, which was fantastic. Well, in the spirit of business class news, um, you know, as you know, if you've been listening to this on a regular basis over the past, you know, nine years, you know, we've been doing a regular thing called Race to the Start Line. And we like to tell stories and talk to people that can really give you guys out there, the listeners, guys and gals out there, the listeners, uh, a bit of um, knowledge of, of how you can prepare yourself for the start line. You know, everyone says, why do you call it race to the start line? And it's race to the finish, isn't it? No, no it, it's, you need to be preparing yourself now, ready for the start, so you're in a great position. And so um, I came across this fabulous book um, by uh, a gentleman who was actually, uh, he was, he was, uh, he's called Marty Strong, and uh, he's ex-Navy um, uh, SEAL, and he'll be on in a second. And uh, he was, of course, uh, you know, an officer, uh, retired now, uh, and he put his experience into this book, and it's a, actually quite a compelling read when, uh, when you start to get into it. And we're going to start talking about it in a second. Uh, in fact, why don't I just introduce Marty onto the show? He's, he's in our virtual studio. Of course, everything's now virtual. Unfortunately, I can't wait to get back into a physical studio. But Marty, thanks for uh, joining me this morning. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, as, as I was like, you may have heard some of that little snippet. We've been doing a lot of conversations over the past few months with with veterans and, and, and um, wonderful people that have served, etc. And they've taken that experience and they've, they've put it into, um, into a business idea, either logistics or whatever. 
And I read your book, and, and I've got to say, okay, so the, I read the foreword by uh, uh, a former captain in the Navy, Brad uh, McDonald. He, 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 he did the foreword. And he was telling, he was telling the story about, you know, the, the, the submarine crews and everything and how you Navy SEAL boys used to go in and have to cohabit with these, uh, the, the, these submariners as such and, and sort of built out this story. And then he said that you used to go and start to make the submariners uh, feel comfortable the, the, before, even before the, the missions started to happen. So, first of all, what made you write this book? It's called Be Nimble, isn't it? So what's the story behind it? Uh, well, I have to say something about Brad since you brought him up. But Brad McDonald's a good friend of mine. He and I tested a new uh, uh, kind of a hypothesis of combining fast attack submarines and, and some unique SEAL capabilities it was a uh, a one shot deal. If if we failed at it, in the in the uh, preliminary test in uh, the Caribbean, it was dead. Instead, we actually did a great job, and we ended up doing a test deployment for six months, which changed the way that both the submarine community and the SEAL community worked together from that point forward. He um, he gives me a lot of credit for it, but basically, he was he's a great guy, he's a really smart Naval Academy graduate, and and what we did together is we decided that. Rather than having essentially two two teams with two different jerseys, us being in the way all the time on that that black tube that's floating around underwater, and his team, which actually has a functional job on that black tube, that we would just forge a, an alliance, kind of a team approach to the overall mission, and uh, and it, it worked. It we did it before we deployed for the six months, and we did it all the way through the uh, six month deployment, and we're we're still friends to this day. So uh, I wrote be nimble. Partly, that story is a pretty good way to set set the book up. Nimble thinking, nimble leadership requires a certain amount of intellectual human, uh, humility and the ability to not take yourself too seriously and definitely not take your past too seriously, whether it's you know the positives and, and great accolade, accolades of, of recent times or whether it's failures, because those are the things that kind of inhibit your open-minded approach to problem solving. And... I've been doing that for a long, long time. I've, I've emulated many, many seals that I thought were extraordinary, uh, wizards almost of, of patience and calm under a great, great stress. And yet while all that's going on and everybody's basically fire hosing them with ideas and input and suggestions and questions, they just calmly stripped all that away and looked at the, the problem cleanly and clearly and then started to make really good decisions. So I've always tried to be that kind of a leader and in helping other leaders and helping subordinate uh, executives in, in the enterprises that I run now, I found that this was a consistent theme to the point where a couple of years ago, I thought, well, I should write this down because I had never written any of this, any of these ideas down, capture all the lessons I'd learned from all these other mentors and situations where I, where I had an epiphany and changed my behavior and the way I led. And I guess the, the sum total of that was the book Be Nimble. Well, I, I, there, was a, there was a quote that you did from Darwin you know, it's about, about the fact that, you know, people don't just evolve, et cetera. It's the, pe it's the people that survive that can actually um, change with the, with, with the future uh, as such as, and, and, and actually be 
um, looking at you know what is going to be what is the change sort of direction that we're going and can they adapt and can they adapt to change uh, and one thing I know about special forces is that you have to you know change and adapt when things happen because that's just in the nature of your training isn't it and and I think that that's something that I think leaders need to think about when they're actually leading their their teams in just normal business protocols is that right that's that's correct you know so you know the theory of evolution kind of misses the point of darwin's work His, his work was about adaptation as you point out and adaptation agility nimbleness these are all traits whether it's in nature or whether it's in business or whether it's in combat leadership especially in special operations because you're given in special operations you're given missions that conventional troops weren't assigned, prepared for, trained to, or equipped to execute. So it's already a problem set that doesn't have an easy answer. So you couldn't go in there with a closed mind or a restricted view of the universe. You have to basically look at the world the way it really is. There's a saying in the teams, you know, it is what it is. And and that's kind of a, a frame of mind when you find yourself in a, say, on a target or near a target and everything you were told is wrong you got to do something, right? You have to, you have to adapt to the situation as you find it. So it is something that is not unique, but is practiced in special operations. I think it's one of those things that's easily conveyable from special operations and that experience that I had or any other uh, special operator or elite unit uh, professional had in their military background to the commercial uh, world of business, especially in the areas of startups and early early stage companies that are going through the challenges of scaling or high com- high competitive environments. The world changes. You wake up the next morning and the guy across the street's eating your lunch. What are you going to do? I, I think, I think that's, that's, that's a very good way of putting it because at the end of the day, you know, there's so much, you know, uh, chatter out there. There's so much noise, et cetera, that as a leader, it's like, it's like you wake up and you say, and you like, what just happened? It changed overnight. I mean, I was on a show the other day with a with a very very intelligent uh, uh, sort of individual. He was in the Israeli army, and uh, you know he's now a mentor of mine in terms of best robotics, uh, Michael Steiner. And we were talking about creativity, etc. And, and and literally was saying that that how many times have you you thought of an idea? And and not not gone ahead with that idea because you thought oh it's it's it's, it's it won't work, but you can't have that mentality these days. You've got to say okay I've got this idea how can I make it work? And you've got to have that. And your book really goes through chapter by chapter, you know that that mindset, doesn't it? And so explain a little bit more about how you structured the book. Well, I I start out with and this is not unique. I've seen this in other books maybe because it makes sense. You do a self-inventory. You basically assess your strength and your weaknesses, you know, a strength, weakness, opportunity, and threats or SWOT analysis in, in the business jargon. And is the more honest you are with that assessment, the more effective it's going to be. So I, I kind of focus on that. Then I start focusing on those behaviors, those traits, those repetitive disciplines that I believe are going to enhance and improve and support your leadership as you grow and as you're facing challenges. And this is for aspiring leaders or existing leaders. And then the book starts to transition into the kind of the practical application of some of the things, both that I learned as a SEAL officer, but also in the 20 plus years that I've had in business and in my current role as a CEO and chief strategy officer. So 
It evolves mostly from the mechanical, focuses a lot on, on talent, selection of talent, training and coaching and mentoring of talent, and then starts to segue towards the end in, you know, what do you do when, you, when you're winning and what do you do as you're scaling and how do you look at the future? How do you envision the next, the next change, the next turn on the road? So that's how the book's kind of laid out. And uh, the second book, which is already in the publisher's hands, is called Be Visionary, kind of takes it from there and focuses on what the subject that you just brought up, you know, how, how creativity gets killed by optimization and how can you set aside optimization as a useful thing but create creativity and visionary and insightful strategic thinking is actually the way to grow and to anticipate, you know, success in the future. So I'm going to go back to a part of the book that, that I read and, and it, you know, at the beginning of the book, it, it takes you through your childhood uh, and you know how that, that evolved and how things changed. And again, I think from a, from a very young age, you've had to adapt, haven't you? you by the, the, and again, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to give the book away because the readers and the, and the viewers and the listeners have to go and buy the book to, to get hold of what, what I'm talking about. But um, you, you ended up going into, you know, from the Navy SEALs, you know, to the financial world. And there was a, there was a, there was a, a moment in time, it was on September 11th, you were in that room as such, and that changed your whole direction, didn't it? Um, you, you'd been doing financial services, et cetera, having to learn how to make money on commission only. It was a whole different different subset. But that one day changed your life, didn't it? And and you went back into counterterrorism. Tell me more about that. Well, so I did my 20 years, and then I, I shifted into financial investments and with United Bank of Switzerland and just just shy of eight years uh, in that profession, I was uh, in a regional office for UBS sitting with two other gentlemen and there was a TV turned, the sound was turned off in between me and, and the other, one of the other gentlemen. And people started coming into the room telling us that something was wrong. And, you know, in the financial world, everybody was connected to the trade towers or, you know, the trade towers were basically filled with financial uh, businesses and corporations, et cetera. So almost everybody in this regional office at UBS knew somebody in those trade towers. So within a couple of minutes of the first plane hitting, uh, there was kind of chaos in the office I was in, even though I was in Maryland. The um, the second plane hit, and the other two gentlemen weren't military, but I just turned to them and said, we're at war. And they looked at me like I was crazy, but I felt like a gut punch that I was in the wrong place. You know, I really felt uh, this was eight years after I got out of uniform, and the uh, the gut punch was really kind of an emotional thing. What am I doing trying to make rich people richer when the United States is getting ready to go into combat? And and that that stuck with me for weeks. And I did some preliminary inquiries to see if there's any way I could get back into the game. I got a disability from a parachute accident. I couldn't go back on active duty. And quite frankly, uh, even though I was in my uh, my 40, early 40s, the... Um, you know, the special ops is kind of like professional sports or like the NFL. You start to fall a couple of steps behind by the time you're 30, 31. And, and if you don't know it, uh, the new guys, the younger guys, they make sure you know it as they're passing you. So, so, you know, it was a thought. And then I thought, okay, maybe I could do something else to help. And I started doing uh, work with some think tanks on counterterrorism. I was a pretty good mission planner, pretty good at asymmetrical, uh, combat operations, which essentially is what the bad guys were going to use against us. So I ended up working in what's called red teaming, 
helping people anticipate what kind of attacks might be uh, launched and also the methods, techniques, procedures the bad guys might use, and then actually storyboarding back from the event to where they might be staged, where they might be training, what kind of materials they might be procuring. And, and so I, I got out of the financial services business. I got into the consulting business along those lines. Uh, worked with the, uh, the the Greeks for the Athens Olympics in 04, worked with uh, the U.S. government at a couple of sites in the United States. And while I wasn't in, in combat then, I felt like I was contributing in some way. And eventually I ended up in Baghdad and, and helping the State Department. But um, yeah, that's why that's why I made a sudden <laughs> a sudden change in, in career and profession. Well, the reason why I bring that up is because when I, as, I, as I was reading through there, I realized that, you know, we, we have a saying here internally, so with the end in mind, you know, and so, so knowing what, where we want to be. So let's, let's plan to that. Let's look, let's, where do we want to be? And then, and then start to look at, well, okay, what are the milestones? What are the things we have to actually put in place? Now, you're a chief strategy officer now. Uh, and, and so that now transfers to what you were doing because you, you, you need to understand what the bad guys, you know, are doing, are going to do, and then you need to know what you want to actually achieve. And so that translates really well into the real business world, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, I think it's Louis Pasteur's quote, chance favors the prepared mind. I've always tried to keep my, uh, my brain active and, and things outside of what I'm doing professionally at the time. So when I was in the military, I was reading about business. When I was uh, managing money, I was reading about uh, economics and I was trying to uh, learn how to write books. And, and so each, each place I go, I, I, I study another area. And oddly enough, according to my wife, it seems like I end up in the space that I just been, uh, that I've been casually studying. <laughs> so, so it, it tends to work out and, uh, I will say that I, I was asked one time to give a give a, um, a lecture series to single mothers that uh, a nonprofit was helping uh, to learn how to get, make uh, do resumes and, and do job interviews and 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 succeed in the uh, pursuit of of work. And they asked me to to uh, speak on linear success strategies. So I sat down to write it all out what I was going to say, and I realized that in my own life I had. I have no linear success strategy. It's it's all non-linear. It's all kind of these weird exit, exit stage left, exit stage right. I think the preparedness. You 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 said that at the very beginning of the of the show this morning. I think the preparedness part is you know if you're you're getting ready to go to the start line, and if you're always getting ready to get go to the start line, sometimes you don't even know exactly what the start line is. It's easy in leadership and it's easy in business because almost everything related to business improves your leadership and almost everything about leadership improves the way you execute business. So it's not, it's not a waste of time to be preparing all the time. I, I love that because I tell you, and the, why I'm smiling, you know, because it's a podcast and so nobody can see me smiling, but I am smiling. Um, and I do smile. Um, but the, um, is because when we first started, when we came up with race to the start line, I did a I did a a whole hour on 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 the whole philosophy of it, and that very thing came up that because somebody said to me, "Well, does it have to be in the fourth quarter that I have to start planning?" No, you, you if you if your fiscal year is is April, then you start. That's when you. But there is there is no definitive start line at all, 
and you need you need to just say because somebody said to me the other no one the other day uh, uh, my brain just say oh it was the other day but it was like years ago because I'm that old um, and and they, they they said how do we stop what's happening and it was a particular situation that was happening I said stop the wheel. I said, stop the wheel. They said, how can we stop the wheel? We've got all these people working and everything. I said, you're going to have to stop the wheel and, and, and say, that not, not physically, but have a mental thing of saying, this is, the, this is where we're going to start the future. And if you can have a mental sort of you know, positioning of, okay, yeah, things are going bad. And if I keep the same thing happening and happening, you know, the, the sign of insanity, you know, and not changing anything, then guess what? You can you can stop and start to say, well, let's do a refresh. And that was our philosophy of start, the race to the start line. And it didn't matter where you were within your business. You could be a startup. You could be an, a, an established business. You could be failing. You could be succeeding. And even when you're succeeding, you can still, you know, plan for the future. So I, I, I'm glad that um, somebody as uh, as intelligent as you actually confirms that for me. Thank you. I, you know, I have a healthy bit of paranoia. It's not like the, a fear-based paranoia, but anybody, anybody, I think in elite sports, anybody in elite military units, they wake up every morning wondering if there's somebody who's not wondering believing there's somebody bigger, faster, better out there somewhere. And what do I, how do I match up against that someone? And what do I need to do to close that gap? So you wake up every morning thinking that way. So you're always in a, in a learning, growing, evolving, adaptive mindset, and you never rest on your laurels. That's kind of another key component to this. Uh, in the book, I tossed in a chapter towards the end because I realized that another thing you can prepare yourself for is uh, your personal wellness. You know, as a, as a leader, now, I work out six days a week. I didn't when I first got out of the military. I went probably a year or so, you know, put on some weight, relaxed. I didn't have to, I wasn't being forced to go on long runs and swims and do stupid, crazy stuff. But eventually I realized that managing stress and, and, and coming into challenging circumstances with a positive attitude had a lot to do with my endorphins and my physical strength and stamina. So um, I pitched that a lot. I pitched that a lot to not just my uh, executives, but to other people, whenever they bring up, you know, stress and things like that. I mean, what are you doing health-wise? When's the last time you had a physical one? It's amazing how many people, I mean, hard charging, disciplined people, but they're focusing everything on that one leg of the, of the, of the stool. You know, it's, it's mind, body, and spirit. You got to have all three kind of working together or else you're going to be tipping one way or the other. Oh, absolutely. And, and it can happen quickly as well. I mean, I've yes. seen it happen so many times where you, you see somebody that's so successful, and then all of a sudden, it all gets washed away because, unfortunately, they had a heart attack or stressed out or whatever. And and it, 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 they say a healthy body is a healthy mind. I mean that is that's that is the the thing you need to have in your in your repertoire. You know, it's a sort of thing. Well, unfortunately, we're coming up to the end of our uh, little chat here. But I, give give us the the title of your other book because this one we're talking about today is uh, be nimble. What was the title of your upcoming book? Uh the upcoming book is Be Visionary, Strategic, Le Strategic Leadership in the Age of Optimization. And kind of sums up, it's, you know, optimization is not strategy, but strategy is also not the, the enemy of optimization. And these are two opposing forces I'm seeing constantly. 
And when I started looking into it, it seems like it's all over the place. The last 25 years, uh, large publicly traded companies have been um, gratifying shareholders by very short-term focused achievements. And when you do that, you start to strip away investment because investment's really about tomorrow. And as investment starts to wane, uh, they start to uh, fall back in, comp in the competitive uh, situation against their their competitors who may not be thinking the same way. So um, it's, it's about being visionary, how to be creative, how to put creative teams together, how to create strategies, pitch strategies, and then once you have them, how to implement them, and then be ready to, to pivot again because the world's not going to stop changing. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, if you're open to it, I'd love to invite you on another another segment to talk about that and bring, uh, as I say, my friend uh, Michael Steiner, who is all about you know creativity. He runs Best Robotics, which is part of Texas Instruments um, nonprofit, and uh, I would love the opportunity to have a have a conversation because your insight, Michael's insight. Hey, and me just moderating and just listening, I think, uh, would be a fantastic conversation. So, uh, yeah. once that book's uh, out, I want to, I want to, uh, you know, dive, uh, dive deeper into it. Sounds good to me. Fantastic. Well, Marty, thanks again uh, for joining me this morning. It was a great conversation, and um, you know, I'll put all the links to how the how the readers and the listeners can actually uh, get uh, hold of the book, and um, and we'll have you back on. Great. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Of course, that was Marty Strong, of course, uh, a, a, you know, a retired Navy SEAL. And um, what, a, what a great conversation. I mean, at the end of the day, it's always nice, i got to say. It's always nice when I actually say something before I get to meet somebody. And then they validate what I've said. I mean, it makes me feel so good. Um, and it also makes me look intelligent, actually, because, uh, you know. Uh, but, uh, no, it's always great to have uh, uh, folks on as guests uh, on the show, uh, such as Marty. So, uh, as I said, I'm going to be putting all the links on the uh, on the podcast uh, narrative at the bottom, uh, just to, so you can get hold of the book. And it'll also be running an article on vetsofvetsnation.com and Business Class News as well. So you can get all the links there. As I always say, go and have fun. Uh, make some money because, again, this is a business show, business class news. So go and make some money. But have some fun in the, in the, in the meantime as well. And also be safe. Uh, that's, that's a big thing. Be safe. Keep healthy. We talked about that in this, this segment. You've got to keep healthy because if you're not healthy, you can't go and achieve those goals. So until the next time, I'll see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>